Hello, Mixed Net Cases. This is Nick Joss. And this is an intro to Ghibli episode. We're talking about the boy and the heron. And I know it's been a little while since you've heard us talk about Ghibli. but And we've been working our way through uh, all of the old Ghibli movies. But we could not ignore a theatrical release for a brand new Ghibli movie in theaters the very first Ghibli movie to get its own IMAX. So welcome uh, with me, as always. Hi, I'm Tech, and I gotta say, you know, we can't ignore a new theatrical release, comma, this time. This time, well, yes. Yeah, because we kind of ignored Red Turtle, but... No, 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 Red Turtle was out before, no, Hedwig we ignored, but I don't think that got a theatrical release, did it? Oh, yes, it did. Oh, well, it wasn't near us. And we put our fingers in our ears and ignored it. Hedwig did? Wow, that turned mid-theater. Wow. Okay, sorry, sorry. And our guides, you know, Tech and I are the newbies normally, but our normal guides are also newbies because it's a new movie. So welcome, guides. And we are your flabbergasted guides. I didn't know that Jen was flabbergasted, (laughs) but I'm Jen. And I'm Jason. Oh my gosh. Just as, just as a heads up, while we're talking about this, we are going to be dunking on Goro Miyazaki pretty hard, I think, after that last movie bombed. But, uh, I haven't seen it, so I think, I think I'll be dunking on him just because it's fun, but, uh. Yeah, he's gonna, yeah, he can be taking some L's this episode. Nah. Oh, he was involved in this, though. His name was in the credits quite a bit. But we know, we know, we know, we know Papa was in charge. It's like when he listen. It's like when he did from up on Poppy Hill. It's like it's like we know who was we know who was actually sitting over there. Like, is that you really gonna do that? That that's that's what you thought. You you thought I came to walk through the house that I built to see you do that? And he's like, I I just wanted something. Could have been a little different. And he's like, <laughs> you, you, you know what it, you know what it feels like? It's like when you when you're when you're in a couple and you're getting ready to leave, and your partner walks out like, oh, you're wearing that. Oh, I just thought that you thought you were going to wear that out this house. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm boo-boo the fool. I'm just going to walk out this house. Cause, cause I mean, the one thing I will give him about this is that he did loosen the reins a bit. He told them basically to stay within the parameters of what Ghibli is known of, known for, but he let them strut their stuff a little bit. He still murdered leagues upon leagues upon leagues, maybe an entire generation of animators, but he let them strut their stuff to do it. So let me start with my, my classic 30-second pitch. Sure. So we went and saw The Boy and the Heron by Hayao Omiyazaki, which I have discovered is now the number one cause of carpal tunnel syndrome in all of Japan. Beyond Pac-Man, beyond Super Mario Bros., it's Hayao Miyazaki murdering animators. But 30-second pitch for The Boy and the Heron. <clears throat> what if you took... All the collect, all of the collective works of C.S. Lewis, you know, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and Roald Dahl, uh, Willy Wonka, and, uh, James and the Giant Peach. If you took all of those books and all of the rest of those books that were written in England about kids leave London during the Blitz, they move out into the countryside, and they escape into a magical realm to avoid the horrors of war. What if you took all of those stories and told them to a Japanese boy who was like hallucinating with a hemorrhagic fever? And then had them write those stories back to his friend Miyazaki, who made a movie out of those horrid fever dreams. You get also, the boy in the heron. Who also has having fever dreams. Who is also having fevers, yes. There is, man, there is a lot of, like, fever-induced hallucination in this movie. Whether it was intended to be that way or not, um, 
Well, let's keep in mind that for most of this movie, the uh, the main character is sporting a fresh head wound and is trying to navigate the a strange new world through the symptoms of a concussion. Did do y'all think they drew the herring based off Willem Dafoe? Because it is that wasn't William Dafoe. William Dafoe, though. It is, but I mean the 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 smile is. It should have been Willem. <laughs> because it's disturbing. at one point when I first saw the transformation where it kind of regurgitates his face. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, say less, Miyazaki. Okay, this is what we're playing with. Hi, David Lynch. I didn't know you were here today. Well, there's a couple of times when you see the heron like outside the window of the little boy's room and it's grinning. It's like, since when do birds have teeth? Like, why is it grinning? Why are we seeing, like, Totoro-style, like, white and black lines to show that it has teeth? It's like, no, there's an entire other head, and he's, oh, my God, it's regurgitating a dude. So the the gray heron is played by Robert Pattinson in the English dub. Batman? Yes. Okay. Being the third Batman in the English voice for Studio Ghibli. And there's another Batman in the same movie. Miyazaki's got a type. I mean, he does, but also um, Willem Dafoe, oh, oh, what it, Christian Bale, Willem Dafoe, and Mark Hamill have all been in other Ghibli movies. Oh, by the way, big yeah. shout to Batista. Big yeah. I think this puts him at the top of the pops of better wrestling careers. I think he wins. I think he's in a Ghibli film. I think The Rock is second now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to say that, uh, or rather, I think it's rather clear that we all saw the English dub. Uh, I don't know about your area, but we had the choice between yeah. English dub or Japanese, uh, you know, English subtitles. Uh, our, our, we have some students that are from Japan. They're definitely going to be going to see it in J- Japanese, but we went to see it in English because we knew that the voice cast would be done the way that it has been done for a lot of the other ones and that it was being done at the same time and it was star studded. So we definitely uh, made sure to hit that up. Um, the, the big notable names in the cast for the English is Christian Bale, which, you know, he's been, he was how uh, Dave Batista, um, uh, Gemma Chan. I don't, I don't know her. I'm sure I would, if I looked her up, Willem Dafoe, as we all know, um, uh, then we also have the great voice actor and twice Ghibli before this, Mark Hamill, uh, Luca Padovan and Robert Pattinson and Florence Pugh. So just really great. Oh, and Debbie Derryberry's in this and yeah, we didn't a whole get bunch Trust of others. McNeil, but we got yeah. Debbie Derryberry, so yeah. we're okay. Yeah, we got, we got a lot of voices we are familiar with. Personal, personal fan favorite of the podcast, because wait for it, friend of the podcast, Debbie Derryberry, which is, uh, uh, wonderful to see, uh, which I enjoy her. She's a tiny, tiny, wonderful lady. So let's, uh, which let's, is good that she played a tiny, tiny, wonderful lady in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's go around and, yeah. uh, before we, we dive into the plot here, let's get first impressions of the, of this movie. What, what'd you guys know going in and, uh, what'd you think, uh, what, what'd you think in, uh, in, in, in a, in a summary fashion? I avoided any and all anything about the movie before I went in. I knew the title and that was it. Um, coming out of said movie, there was definitely a lot of psychedelics. Um, but that it was, it had a good story. I liked the story to this one. Mm-hmm. Jason? Oh, I'm making him think now. Uh oh. I think he's, I think Miyazaki, again, I think Miyazaki's having fun here. I think, 
I think Grandpa got up off the couch, heard the kids talking, saying all this fancy-dancy stuff, and instead of saying, you know, get off my lawn, he said, no, seriously, get off my lawn. Um, and again, he let them he let them play a little bit. I really, I really like this film. I don't know necessarily where I would put it in my oeuvre of Miyazaki's stuff, but I, it's up there. I really, really enjoyed this. Um, immediately out of the theater, I, I believe I said to you, I need to think on this. I need some time to reflect on how I'm feeling. Um, I'm, I enjoyed it. I recommend everyone to go and see it. So if you don't want spoilers, cause we will get into spoilers. If you don't want spoilers, you can stop the podcast and come back to it and listen to it. I highly recommend going to see it, but, um, yeah, there's definitely some tripping going on. A lot of like, like a lot of this is some of my biggest nightmares, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just, just you, 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 but it pulls you in, in such a way. It is so beautiful. I am glad that I experienced it. Um, I, I do like the story and I think I understand the message that Miyazaki was trying to tell. I didn't last night and I think I do now. Because I needed it to sit with it, so those are my immediate. And I also avoided everything because I wanted to go in fresh. I think the only thing I saw of a trailer was like there were like super short teasers they were doing where yeah. all they would show you is the that opening scene of the heron uh, flying by the 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 front porch of the house. Yeah. Uh, that's the only thing I saw, and I could count the I could count the feathers on the wings of the heron, and I knew that Miyazaki was just killing animators again. It's like, all right, I'll, I'll watch this. Um, coming out, uh, yeah, it was a fever dream. Uh, but it does what Ghibli does well. It does very, very well. There are a couple, and I'll get into this later on, there are a couple stylistic choices that Miyazaki makes in a bunch of his movies, and now I'm starting to realize that they are stylistic choices, and I disagree with them. Because, But then again, I am not Japanese Walt Disney. I am not the, the maker of these movies. So obviously he's making them for reasons I don't understand, and it, that's on me. But uh, it was uh, amazing, beautiful, and really weird, and really, really fun. So I got a question for you. Yeah? Is this the best story he's done of a young, of a young boy? It's his best, like, this is because Ponyo was more Ponyo's story, so like... This is his best kid, right? Like his best male presenting kid, right? Uh, um, I, I, I'm wondering about the, um, the wing, the zero one. The wind rises doesn't wind count because he wasn't a kid. Yeah. Um, and that was a really good story as well. But I don't know. He writes stories differently when the main character is a boy versus a girl. Um, I think, I think Totoro had better fleshed out kids. Um, but yet again, that's another story of kids growing up in the countryside using a fantasy realm to escape the horrors of... This time it was escaping the horror of their mother having tuberculosis. This one here, it was the horrors of watching Tokyo get firebombed. And So uh, let me know when I can when I can nerd out on the dates in this movie. Yeah, man, like... Because um, um, I th- there's there's like timeline stuff going on here that I'm not, I'm not quite understanding. <laughs> hey, man, listen, he said... He said he was mainlining Takahata at the time. It's, it's, a, it's hard to it's hard to summon that energy. It's hard to it's hard to walk that razor's edge that we all know and love with Isao Takahata. I mean, it could be the you know my neighbors the Yamadas, or it can be Grave of the Fireflies. You take your pick. You got the middle of the road. You got um, uh, Pompoko kind of in the middle middle lane. Oh, there. Pompoko! 
Mm. Hey, Jen, it's your favorite. But I don't, honestly, though, I will say this. I do not think even Takahata had the gall to set a man on fire. I just, that, that, oh, okay, so the movie opens with a sequence of, you hear air raid sirens, and it's, I, I think we're supposed to think it's Tokyo, at night, on fire. So, you see from the uniforms, you get the context clues, this is World War II, this is a raid, on Japan, and it's on fire. And the, the animation of the fire, of people on fire, and this is not a very violent movie, and this is not a gory movie by, by any stretch, um, but the the slanted the, they do this really weird sort of a, a slanted uh, animation style when the characters are running through the flames and they're running through town. It does a very good job of showing how fast they think they're moving and how you know chaotic and hectic uh, the situation is. Um, probably some of the best animation I've seen so far from Ghibli. I mean, the animation in that is freaking amazing and horrifying, and that's the point. We're supposed to be scared because. Well, his mo- his mom dies, and that's the point. Like his mom dies in hospital fire during that. Now, the thing is, is that they don't give a date and a time. They don't give a place. So, if I'm to believe that that's Tokyo, this would put it at about uh, in 1944. So, I think that's a little too late because two years later he moves to the country. So, it had to be earlier to still be in the war. So, but like there weren't a lot of attacks on Tokyo. In between, like like before 1944, like I, I you guys got to excuse me. I, I know somebody is going to push up their glasses and well, actually me. But like the only thing big attack on Tokyo before that was the Doolittle raids in 42. But there weren't uh, there weren't a lot of deaths from the Doolittle raids. Uh, the Doolittle raid, excuse me. Um, but then all we get from this is after this scene, they go two years later. We move to the country. And then they move to Nameless Village number one in the country where dad has a factory and is producing. You see them moving um, canopies of uh, fighter fighter aircraft and they're moving them into the countryside to avoid. So if the factory gets bombed, they don't lose the production that they've been making so far. Um, really neat touch. I, I, I think Miyazaki, this is one of those things where grandpa won't move. Like somebody was like, you know, this isn't. It don't line up, boss. And he's like, I don't care. It's the theme I want, so we're going to make it happen. <laughs> so how old is the protagonist, um, uh, Mihito? Like, what, 12, maybe 13? Well, yeah, I would say at oldest, maybe 14, you know. yeah. He's older than the boy in The Secret World of Ariadne. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so uh, we're looking at a really. – I'm sorry, Jim, what was that? I think he's only 12. Yeah. yeah. So he's about a 12-year-old boy. Now, what I started realizing as I'm watching this movie, when dates don't line up and distances don't work anymore, and I just don't understand what's going on, I realized that we're watching this through the eyes of a 12-year-old. He has no concept of time. He barely has a concept of object permanence. His brain just finished solidifying a couple days before this movie was filmed. Um, this kid is just starting to come to grips with people. And this is a stylistic choice of Miyazaki movies that I now understand. Why do all the adults look so weird? Why do all the old ladies have huge moles and big bubbly, bulbous noses and all hunched over posture? Because when you're 12, that's all you notice. You're talking to grandmama and she has a mole on her forehead. That's all you see is a giant mole with grandma behind it. We're seeing this from his eyes. I thought that was a and a I, neat touch. I think it's really a big thing that you touched upon because... 
I keep thinking like the the timelines that you're saying is like somebody trying to remember. Yeah. And so I, I looked up how old was Miyazaki during World War II? Mm-hmm. In 1944, when he was three years old, World War II was gripping Japan. His family fled Tokyo for the Japanese countryside, and his father worked in a fighter plane factory while his mother was hospitalized with tuberculosis. <laughs> <laughs> This is oh, his story. Oh, man, that's Miyazaki. Oh, that's right. funny. Actually, Best stories come off of your life experiences. Yeah, right. With Nothing you. is different. Than this is Grandpa telling tales. And let's not forget, he's 82 years old. And one of the things that, well, one, this was supposed to be ready for the uh, 2021 Olympics or the 2020 Olympics. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to premiere then. He started working on this in 2016 without a green light. He was just like, I'm doing this. Um and I'm sure they're he, gonna, you know, we're like, shut up, old man. We hear you. You say it. Nobody all said that to Hayao Miyazaki. Oh no, no, no. Uh, uh, oh boy, the, the 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 like financial backer, the guy who doesn't animate. He's the third head of. Um, he's mm-hmm. He was absolutely like Miyazaki. If you go sit down somewhere, bro, like I get it, bro. You the boss. I get it. I get it, man. But we try to do this thing, and like Miyazaki's like, I'll you know what? I'll show y'all, bro. Th- these computers, they can't do me. And he just and he just grumbling over there, scrawling in his notebook. So in 2019, the film was announced to be 15 percent complete after three and a half years of work. Um, were you talking about Suzuki? Is Suzuki the other guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he explained that Miyazaki in the past would be able to direct seven to ten minutes of animation per month, and they had scheduled five minutes of animation per month because of his age, um, or about an hour per year on the film. However, Miyazaki was only able to direct about a minute of animation per month. So he was, he came out of uh, retirement for this, but this was like, no, this was not just, oh, I got one more in me. It was, I have to tell this story before I die, but I'm going to do it at the pace of an 80 year old. And I, I saw while I was Googling his age, somebody said the lie is the most important part of the, the story when he gets sucked in and lured by the heron, he says, I know it's a lie, but I have to see. Kind of like Miyazaki is saying, look, I know I'm dying, but I have to tell this story. So this really does feel like the last story we're getting. And it kind of puts things into perspective when you realize this is from the lens of my memories as a boy from a dying man, you know, an older man Mm -hmm. on his way to death. Mm -hmm. Dude, he's, again, and I think... Honestly, I really do. I keep talking about Isao Takahata, but Takahata didn't get one last run, right? Like, Kaguya was it. Like, and to be fair, that's, Kaguya is great. I love Kaguya. But it wasn't a story that he wanted to tell. It almost felt like he'd already told it, right? Like, with, with mm-hmm. Graham and the Fireflies. So, like, I think this is Miyazaki giving it his shot, right? He's like, I get it. You know, but let's, let's, let's have a, let's have a run at it. Like, he's like, I've got this one in me and I'm going to do it. I mean, the attention to detail on something's tech, you hit the nail on the head when you said when this film was was recorded because that opening sequence is like animated hand-drawn fisheye lens Mm -hmm. and if you've seen some of the newer stuff like Jujutsu Kaisen and other anime like Demon Slayer they have some of these moments like brief segments just for seconds and this opening sequence is like over a minute long like it is oh yeah it was amazing it's intense um the yeah, so the, the, the other, the other weird thing, and maybe you guys can help me break this one down. I don't know if it was a stylistic choice of storytelling or of, um, 
or if there's a uh, uh, maybe it's a lost in translation sort of a gig. But why did it take so long to figure out who the characters were? Is it because I'm too stupid? That I didn't get the clues, or was there like a storytelling point in this where, you know, it's two years later, we moved to the countryside. My dad set up a factory. We meet this new lady. And, and the new lady is like, hi, I'm going to be your mom now. Yeah, but that's actually his aunt. That's his mom's little sister. So, But we don't figure that out until almost all the way through the movie. Oh, Jen's got something on this. Yes, they say straight up, like the little old women that are running around, they said, oh, he looks like his mom. He says, not long after that, she looks just like my mom. Yeah. So you kind of have to infer it. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of have to infer it. It, Later on, they could completely confirm that that's his aunt. But yeah, you do have to infer it when he first meets her. Yeah. And, um, and also the other thing, it's like, like, when you see her, you know, she gets out of the out of the rickshaw and she has a, a, you know, and obviously she's being treated like some type of aristocracy where she has, you know, servants. And when the military parade of like new recruits uh, marches past, they stop and bow and the officers salute her. So the family obviously have some type of nobility. Um, but she's like, here, you're going to have a new brother or sister soon. Here, touch. You can feel it. And she takes his hand and puts it on her belly. Like, she crazy. doesn't have a belly. Like I, I, you know, I, I'm I'm not an obstetrician by trade. I know this may surprise some of you. I'm not completely on the on all of the ups of you know uh, you know uh, natal development, but I didn't think you could feel the uh, the baby move until much later on in the pregnancy. But like, also, who's feeling it through all the fabric? She's in full kimono. Yeah, yeah, and, and hand goes on that very large silk obi belt that she's wearing. Say, here you can feel it. It's like, lady, I can't feel anything. I mean, nice fabric, but I thought she lifted the obi so that he could feel it. But uh. it doesn't matter. Um, I think that especially in that time period, uh, this is a time period when women didn't go out when they were pregnant. Uh, maternity wear only came into like North American parlance in like during the the. I don't know if it was World War One or World War Two. Um, so, like, pa- when pantyhose came out, that pantyhose was originally designed so that pregnant women could do things, you know. Um, and um, so, you know, I'm sure that the Obi hid a lot of it, but she had to have been far along because of what we see later on. Oh, she's here to have her baby. She's here to have her baby. Yeah. But it, it was very. I just want to talk about the weird relationship, not so much like who everybody is like this kid okay it's his aunt but he does not remember her she only saw him as a baby and um dad's already been in there making a baby and having a whole relationship with little sister obviously had to take trips out to the countryside but that's not uncommon no 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 but but man Man, it's like my wife died in a hospital fire in a Tokyo firebombing, and now I'm trading up to her little sister. Let's go. This is why this is why I'm saying I think this is me is like his best adolescent boy story because he tells of affluence of this family without ever showing you them count cash. Right. Yeah. You just know they got you just know they got money. You mm-hmm. know they got respect and power, and this is why they can do this. And so of course. You're now trying to figure out, well, how can we relate to this kid? It's because he's now been traumatized because his dad is hooking up with his aunt who looks just like his dead mom. Like, right. And within two years, they got a baby on the way. 
Yes, like no one, and no one seems to care. No, no. They're just like, that's the way it has to be. It's just like back in the day if like, say, um, a sister died and the, the other sister's husband died, they would marry the other two because like, that was their natural math, right? They're like, that'll uh, work. They mentioned, they actually mentioned this in the movie when, uh, when the, the main character, so Mihito, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he gets hurt, quote, quote, from yeah. the, from the bullies, his father visits him in bed and says, I went and, uh, I paid your teachers 300 yen to pull you out of school. Don't worry. With the war on and all the volunteering going on, everybody's too busy. Nobody's going to notice. They're not teaching you anything. Anyways, it's just everybody's so wrapped up in the war. Yeah. Trying to get everything done that everybody's taking care of themselves and not anybody else. And uh, so, yeah, his dad's being a little selfish here. Uh, And they forgot about this kid, which is fine. He's the only one that seems to be caring about other people because, well, he misses his mom and he wants to take care of his aunt. And he doesn't want to get beat up by those kids at the agriculture volunteering thing anymore. (laughs) Oh, well, to be fair, I think he won that one. I think he instigated that one. I think he did, too. I think he did it on purpose. Let's be fair. Those guys came at him with sickles. Yeah, I thought maybe. But he walked up on them. Well, I think it was because he had to walk that road home. That's fine. But he walked up on them, and then words were exchanged. Yeah, but the one did hop out in front. Like, the one hopped out in front, and they were chopping it up together. I think it was done in such a way that we don't know motivations. We just know immediately everybody's eyeballing him like, oh, boy, here comes little Mr. Rich boy. And he's like, I do not want to deal with other children right now. Like, I just lost my mom. You know, what, I, you know what I'd rather do than math homework? Concussion. Whack! Hits yeah. himself in the head with a rock. Exactly. He got beat up, but he didn't get beat up enough to actually be like, mm, maybe yeah. I shouldn't right now. Now, to yeah. be fair, I also, I'm riding with you on this one, I think he might have been like, they want to fight me. I could get out of this without a fight, but I don't want to go to school. So we're just going to run this and I'm going to stay at home. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I can just clock this dome real quick, wrap it up. And I'm going to be at the house. I don't need this. I don't need nope. this today. I've got servants that are going to take care of me. And- mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Like, if you know that you can hang out in the country looking at frogs and walking on the creek and, like, chilling, because wait for it, what else are you going to do in this time period? Or you could get bullied by the rice pickers. You know, Sam, like, <laughs> I'll take the creek, all right? I, so, all right. So, so that whole weirdness of the family is one thing. And I know it was more common in the past, but uh, goodness, it, a lot of times he's like, I know my dad likes her or she's a woman my dad likes. It's like, she's your aunt. And I think right then was a moment for Mahito where he, she said, I'm going to be your mother. And he didn't want to accept her as his mother because he was right. still grieving his mother. And a lot of this movie is him coming to, to terms with the fact that she is his mother and this is this is going to be uh his new family and i I think part of that had to do with he couldn't save his mother at the same time so there was no guilt there oh absolutely absolutely and um i think that uh you know whether any of what we saw on the screen happened to the kid in the story or if he hallucinated everything does not matter um that is that is for sure I just want to say, once we get into that other world, um, it's now a completely different thing. And there's, there's times where they're 
in the real world, but there's pieces of the other world. And then there's times when, you know, and there's things that the only way to get through to the other world is you have to be connected to the bloodline. There's, there's a lot of mythology. I'm not sure I understand. Um, but once we get into that other world, that other world is like a death world. It's if, all grave sites and like, me, that's the other side of the veil, right? Am I, am I missing that? Is this Miyazaki saying, Hey guys, remember those old movies back in the day? Things like the labyrinth and the dark crystal. I can do that too, y'all. I can make things kind of spooky and scary. I can do that stuff. I, I left this thinking that I want Miyazaki to do a remake of yes. the labyrinth, but in Ponyo style, I want everybody to be five. Like all five year olds of the labyrinth and, and immediately in, in Ponyo style, it's like, yeah, but Sarah is not trying to save her, her little brother because she's little. It's going to be, no, no, no. She's got to save the Goblin King's heart and, and bring this little boy back from something. I mean, I mean, baby Goblin King Jareth. Yeah. And baby Goblin King Jareth, for some reason, looks like the kid from where the wild things are in my mind. So he's got the feety jams and the cardboard crown and he's stomping around. I mean, you can get, I mean, you can get frisky with it. Kiki too. It's her and oh boy, they're older and she's worried about the, like their deepening relationship and she has to go save little Kiki, but that's the metaphor and that's the labyrinth. Like, Miyazaki does adolescent young girls really, really well. Like, Spirited Away, I think, nails that movement. Whereas, I think he could do the labyrinth with little kids. Like, because again, he gets the terror of losing his little sister really, really well in, in Totoro. Like, we, oh. we all, we thought she might have been sleeping with the angels by the end of that movie. Like, oh, come on. The, the slipper floating uh... in the pond. <laughs> I have to say, though, I have to say, Nutty, and this was a very rare thing. This was a full-length Ghibli movie that we walked out of, and we saw it in theaters. We walked out. Neither of us cried. Yeah, I didn't cry. And to be Am fair, I broken? I mean, to be fair, it had an ending. And it did have an ending. Yep. yep. Did it? Did it, though? <laughs> no. We're, we're, we're going to get to that. No. <laughs> For Miyazaki, that's an ending. So, um, let's, let's, let's talk the impetus of all this, the hoggle of the movie, um, because the gray heron is hoggle inside of a heron's throat. Yeah. So there's some type of magical creature dude that's been following around and pestering him and trying to get him to come to the spirit world to see his mother. And then he gets told by, uh, outer nebulous forces by a guy they only call the grand uncle, which sounds suspiciously like the Joker. And 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 happens to look like Jareth. Yeah, who happens to look like Jareth? Who tells him, "Nope, you're not. You're going to stop pestering him, and you're going to be his guide, Gray Heron." And the Gray Heron's like, "All right, whatever." And it's interesting how the Gray Heron fills in the role of the male figure in this dude's life. Because if you notice in the like the other old ladies, you know they're the chibi, adorable old ladies. But the one other old dude you saw was in the far back, in the shadows, smoking a cigarette, and he's just like. He was like the, the caretaker. Yes, the the Wait, you gave him the cigarettes? Why that guy? I needed those cigarettes. The I, seven tiny grannies, the seven dwarfish grannies. Ah, yes. Oh, like loved no, it. Man, like yeah. this thing honestly though, this thing is terrifying. This thing is disgusting and gross like But it, it has my ideal woman in it. <laughs> my dream girl. All right. So Jen and Jason, the, wait, wait, Jen and Jason, who's my ideal woman in this movie? 
Uh, she uh, she's a fisherwoman and uh, has a boat. She she decided to redo Waterworld and make it good. Basically, <laughs> oh my god, it was just like as soon as she shows up on the scene, I am uh, Kiriko. I am I am in love. I am all over this. I'm like it is my dream woman. And, and I'm sorry, Tech. I'm leaving you for this sailor in the underworld. That's fine. I'm, le- I'm I'm leaving you for a swarm of water waters. So. <laughs> Is that Florence Pugh? Yes, that's Florence Pugh. So yeah. um, we're so, this is another one of those things, Jen. This is another one of the things that really sort of annoyed me about this movie because it's like, am I too stupid? Why did it? That we're supposed to figure out from the kimono that she's wearing until they explain it later on in the movie that this is one of those seven grandmas. The and kimono didn't get me. No. No, the I didn't get the did. kimono. Yeah, the doll did. The yeah, doll. Yes. But and then all of a sudden we figure out that in this spirit world it's connected by threads to the real world, but the threads aren't all straight. So in this world, this grandma that that is you know this grandma servant that's doting over him while he's suffering from his concussion in the real world, in this world she is his guide and she is young and fit and you know is is fishing for like six hundred pounds coelacanths. While wearing, you know, in sandals and barehanded. Like, she is a boss. Like, again, Miyazaki's strutting. Because he's like, hey, I wonder if anybody will catch the fact that the kimono's the same outfit she's going to wear. <laughs> yes. Oh, by the way, kids, get ready to watch me disembowel a fish. <laughs> like, Miyazaki, he's, she's awesome, right? She's, um, she's the old lady from Castle in the Sky. She's basically, anytime he wants to do a... Uh, boss like older woman it's that pippy Longstockings older han solo-ish like roguish character but yeah. usually they're super strong in a way like they do things that are characteristic characteristically not done like the one in castle in the sky shot a cannon <laughs> like she's yeah she, she uh, kind of felt like the lead character from arietti grew up oh yeah yeah, yeah. that reminds me i got an anime recommendation Basically, around this idea for you guys. I so while we're in um, Kiriko's house is when I started realizing there's a lot of references to other Ghibli movies because mm-hmm. Sophie's outfit is hanging in that house. Yeah, Sophie's I- clothes from Howl's Moving Castle, the blue dress with the scarf is just yeah. hanging there, and then I start noticing little things. The the hair of the the creator is the same hair as Ponyo's dad. Like, it's just legit. Yeah, well, yeah. the Jareth? Yes. Yeah, the, the grand uncle. Now, the, the one that's thing... That's the animation thing. Yeah, I, I, I gotta talk about food for a sec, because just like Howl's <laughs> and the other movie where they, where it's, you know, they show you these these scrumptious-looking dishes or, mm. you know, uh, moving uh, Howl's where it's... um bacon in a pan. And, you, well, you know, our friend Calcifer is, is helping here. But... um. Man, in this movie, it's butter, bread, and jam. Oh my goodness! But they 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 animated the loaf of bread bouncing as the knife sliced through it, and then man, I'm in that theater going, man, I could use a slice of bread and jam right now. God damn, that looks good. That looks so good. I heard Miyazaki kidney punch an animator when he made him animate each individual finger being licked clean. As <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I was like. Man, stop it. I was like, 
Okay, guys, like I'm hungry now. Thanks, George R. R. Martin. All right, God. Did Did you like that shot to the liver? You did. Do you want another one? No, keep animating. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh God, it was. He's strutting his stuff in this thing, man. There's there's fun. a there's a whole bunch of um uh little references like apparently, and I didn't notice it because I didn't pick up on it until I saw Sophie's outfit. Uh, that. Uh, there's uh, references to Mononoke and the Red Turtle in the books that are in his bedroom. Um, when they look across the river to see the tower, I swear that looks like the uh, landscape going looking at um, Ariete's house and and the river that they ran away on. There's all these like little Easter eggs. There's there's these uh, beetles that are in the cave that remind you of Nausicaa. I mean, there's so many little tiny. Easter eggs all throughout this movie. All the it, ships in the port look like from up on Poppy Hill. Like it's that. Well, big- and they're all different. Yeah, that was the one interesting I noticed. Yes, I was up on Poppy Hill too. Sorry, I was, go ahead. I, I was looking really, really close at the ships. There's not a single one that's the same as another. They're all rigged unique, which is yet again. Every other animation studio on the planet would have drawn five ships and then copy pasted them across the screen to save time because who cares? It's a 10 second background shot in this movie. We have a budget. We have time. Every other studio would have cut the corner and nobody would have cared. Now, it, and this is, this is why Miyazaki makes art. It's he didn't cut the corner and no one's going to notice. It's but like the flag signals and up on Poppy Hill. Yeah, yeah. No, and I've been looking it up. I haven't found it yet, but the flag the, the flag signal in this that they were flying was red with a diagonal black stripe. If you add little white bars, that's the flag of Trinidad and Tobago. But I've yet to find what what nautical flag that is. It's very hmm. close to the hurricane warning flag, but it's not a square and a square. But um <clears throat> Every other studio will cut corners. And this is the thing that I, I, you know, another thing I'm noticing about Miyazaki, it's about the process, not the end goal. Like, it's about how he makes his movies that's important to him. I'm not going to cut corners. I am going to draw. Like, there was one scene when he's, uh, so when he's in the house and he's asleep under the kitchen table and he's surrounded by dolls because these little wooden dolls that look suspiciously like the grandmas um, are his guardians while he's asleep. They animated the reflections of the fire bouncing off of her leather boots. Why? Nobody um, else would have noticed. Nobody notices that. Nobody cares. It's a, a five-second scene. Throwaway. No, I'm going to kill three animators and give one of them crippling carpal tunnel for the remainder of his short life because I can. He also put the reflection in his eyes as he's laying underneath the table looking at the dolls with the fire going. They animated that, too, because, again, Miyazaki just hit the animators with a two-piece and a biscuit because he he wants this thing done. Like, Also, I think a really key dialogue there is also when he gets up from there, they say, be careful to not knock them over. Yeah, yeah. Showing how tenuous the link is between the two worlds. And also, it's like how you would treat your grandmother. You don't want to be rough with grandma. You know what yeah, I'm yeah. Um, like doing all these things for you, so you should be nice to her. The link between two worlds leads to one of my favorite lines in the movies, where everybody in the family understands that there's something spiritual going on. And even, you know, even the father, who's a businessman, who has a factory to run, he understands that there is a strange spiritual realm that's always been sort of around his family, especially on this ancestral property. But 
there are doors that open between the worlds. And we, we later on in the movie, as the movie goes on, we start finding out that there's many other worlds. And one of them is um, infested by a giant army of anthropomorphic parakeets. The parakeet army. <laughs> Led by, the par- led by the parakeet king. Cute. What do you mean cute? <laughs> oh my god, they're so cute though. But like Chevy, they're like Chevy. It leads to my favorite they're line. They're sumo wrestlers, come on. It leads to my favorite line in the movie when uh, one of these spirit doors opens into the real world and his dad and the servants are looking for, they're looking for Mihito, they're looking for, uh, you know, the, 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 the sister that, that's missing and they're going around. All of a sudden, they're like a swarm of parakeets flies out and he's like, oh no, my son, my son's been turned into a budgie. <laughs> Bro, dad goes, the dad goes whole hog samurai after this. Uh, he was worried. I do love that right by the door in the in the closet is an umbrella stand and in the umbrella stand is a wooden boken. Or how about any time in the real world that there's birds ever anywhere at all? There's there's that white poop that's just behind. Yeah. The heron sits on the windowsill. What? They animated yes. the droplets going down the suit. Like he treated it like eggs in punt in a uh, house moving castle. Like I was like Wow. Okay, and the transformations, like yeah, the, the first, the very first scene when the heron lands on the windowsill and says, "You have an invitation," you know, and then he's talking to the heron, and the heron flies away. He runs to the window ledge to to pull the window down, and the window ledge and everything is like covered in poop, and you could hear in the theater, you could hear people going, "Don't touch it, don't touch it," oh, as he put his hand in it. Yeah, yeah. I just no, no. Oh, sorry. I'm I'm Googling because now that I've seen the movie, I can Google all I want. And uh, apparently somebody was saying that um, uh, uh, Jinny Kaisen's animation is better than this. Shut up. No, it's not. This animation is like the best thing ever. There was this is the most money that has been spent on a film in Japan ever. And it is the highest grossing film that was animated film that was ever released in Japan Beating Miyazaki's Ponyo. No, this is Miyazaki breaking Miyazaki's record yes. again and again and again. Yes. There's a, okay, so uh, in uh, this anime called Kuroko no Basket, one of the characters says, the only one that can defeat me is me. And that Miyazaki, yeah. that's what Miyazaki said. He's like, bro, no one else is around me. I'm looking around. I don't see you guys. So I guess I'm just playing shadow boxing. I'm just shadow boxing them. As uh, as the quote goes, game recognize game, and you're looking kind of unfamiliar right now. <laughs> right, because, I mean, think about it. What head of an animation studio at this point is saying anything to Miyazaki? Not John Lasseter. Like, you're trying to be me, dog. I can't see you. Like, yeah. we haven't seen anybody from Disney do anything of any note. Like, I'm just... I can't, I can't see one. I think we're going to have to look somewhere else. Like, I think somewhere maybe the studio that did the... God, that that Celtic or Gaelic movie that, that won the Oscar a few years back, maybe something like that. But honestly, uh, he's fighting himself. The, the thing is that like there are certainly other animated movies and other studios that are making movies that are more, let's say, successful that make more money. But they they are not art uh, to this level. Like this is not something I'm going to drag my niece and nephews to. They're going to be bored solid. But this is this is an art this is an art film. Yeah. This is this is not for kids. This is for me. This is loaded with symbology. 
this was a, this was a fun movie for me to crunch popcorn through and enjoy watching a guy murder animators. Um, <laughs> yeah, this isn't Ponyo, right? Like Ponyo is a fairy tale for kids. Spirited Away is is, is an angsty teenagers movie, right? Like, but, but I, I but watching this, I couldn't help but draw the parallels. Like, like I said in my little thirty second intro, this really feels like Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to me. This really feels like. Um, uh, James and the Giant Peach and the rest of those stories of we are escaping to the countryside to hide from the horrors of war and, you know, inve- you know, the clock strikes 13 and all the rest of those of like we find a fantasy realm to escape the horrors of, of, of what's going on. But in this case, it's they're in the Japanese countryside instead of the English countryside. Um, I mean- and. You added a different sort of like level of a, a different type of spirituality and a different type of like fantasy lore to it, but it it kind of the same story. No, it absolutely would. I like that metaphor because replace the older woman on the boat with a older sister. Maybe she's the older child. Then the little brother is the craggy gray herring that annoys you every morning. And <laughs> you know, and the one who's kind of giving the sage advice on holding this together is your your older brother, the one who's kind of in and out of the house. And I kind of want to, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm realizing, like, imagine, as trippy as all of the things that we saw in this movie and we came out of it, imagine reading Alice in Wonderland for the first time in the 1800s. Mm. This is, this is Alice in Wonderland. Alice falls through the rabbit hole to figure out who she is, whereas Mahito goes into this portal and goes to the land of the dead to figure out who am I and how am I supposed to live in this world? And... It's, and it's, can I be okay with the death of my mom and accept her younger yeah. sister as my new mom? Because this is weird. Am I allowed to love someone else now that my mom is gone? While I have a concussion. Yes. And it's loaded with symbolism and everything else. And I, it, I'm noticing something on Reddit. Somebody said, uh, the thir- 13 white stones, are they Miyazaki's 13 movies? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and someone said, yeah. And, uh, it's the tower of blocks holding up a world that represents Miyazaki holding up Ghibli. Oh, so does he ever call her mom? He does it right at the no. end. He calls her mother. Does he? Does he yeah. finally do it at yeah. the end? That's that's the whole bringing oh, about the message. Like he, he that's that the is, whole quote unquote ending. Yeah, that's the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so so the ending is okay. So dream world, dream sequence, all this stuff. Okay, um, you know, fight the parakeet army, giant parakeet king played by Dave Bautista, freaking amazing, have to close the portal between worlds. All of a sudden, we're in Kingdom Hearts for some reason. Uses the keyblade, not really. Closes the gate between the worlds. Everything collapses. Then we get two years later. Two years after the end of the war, we move back to Tokyo. Goes down the stairs, sees his family. The end. Yeah. Fog! Miyazaki, you did it again. You didn't end the movie. You stopped it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Jen, uh, I I take it from your inflection. I think you said something earlier. You didn't like this ending either, huh? No. <laughs> there was nothing. It was so anticlimactic. It was just like, it was just like, okay, we're here. All the birds are flying around. Next scene, you get him packing up his stuff. We're going back to Tokyo. You see the new what was it, brother? Yeah, little brother. Yeah. And them, and that was it. That was it. I would have liked that. You didn't get any words saying, you know, I'm happy with my family right now, or I have finally moved on, or I have nothing. There was nothing, nothing. I think they wanted him. I think the mother was that. I think the mother was supposed to be that. And I don't remember the mother, so obviously it didn't work. 
No. Um, thing. Yeah, like we're no calling her mom. Like, yeah. I think I yeah. don't remember it, so obviously it didn't do the impact. We, we didn't even get a Palm Poco style golden boat floating down the river. <laughs> like, oh, thanks, Tech. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> we get nothing. But the thing is, is that um, it just you know in in Totoro, at least in Totoro, we get the the scenes during the credits, and then there's a little sort of like a post credit vignette. Yeah, that we get to show that. Mother got better. Mother moved back out with them, and you know, and and happily ever after. So we get that little that little snippet during the credits and dur- during the that, but we didn't get anything. We just get blue screen. The it even blue screened, you know, like a crappy computer. It went plonk. The end. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, because even in Kiki, right, we get the fact that the cat. Uh, you know, Gigi has a family now. We don't necessarily ever hear him talk to her, but we understand that whatever amount of time has happened, they've passed, it has passed on and things have gotten better for Kiki. So yes, we do get a concrete ending on Kiki, right? So in this, I really do think they wanted the mom to be that moment, like when he can finally accept it, finally move on. And now we're seeing him in a, in their normal family life. Mm-hmm. But it just didn't, that, that mom didn't hang where it needed to hang. It was way too low key. Cause I honestly didn't think he said it. I was going to ask y'all why y'all thought he didn't have him say it. And y'all telling me he did. So like, I don't remember yeah, him saying anything. He said it. He said it uh, when he was fighting for her. He kept calling her mother. And then when they're out in the real world, he calls her mother. Yeah. And he gives her a big old hug. And it's, it's wonderful. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it does have that, that culmination. Um, I love the idea that in this death world, he was able to go back and see when his mother was lost, like his actual mother and meet his mother as a child. Like I love that whole part of it. Um, hey, uh, uh, Tech, remember when the parakeets were bringing, uh, Himi mm-hmm. to the granduncle and, and they all had these signs up? Do you remember what the signs were? Um, it said Duch, D-U-C-H. D-U-C-E, Duche, yeah. Duche. No, there was no second E. Uh, there was no E. Is it, but it, how's, how what did they spell it for Mussolini? When they called him Duce. No, that's, that's, uh, that's Duce. So yeah, that's C H E. But this was just D U C H, which is, um, the German word for through. I, I, uh, it doesn't make, I'm not sure if it may, may have just been. I think that's the Italian spelling because if I look up Mussolini, that's the Italian spelling of, I think it's Duce. Uh, but no, Duca. Uh, or Duca, or, 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 or however you pronounce it. D U C E, I think. But if you, I'm looking at the parakeet's wings. I'm looking at what he, how he dressed. I think he's supposed to be Mussolini. Yeah, that's uh. Listen, it wouldn't be again. It's not beyond because I can do it, right? Like I mean, Saki loves to do. He does do caricature really well. It's, I mean, again, look at the grandmothers, right? Like, to be fair, we've seen the parakeets transform from these cartoonish, you know, cute things to regular parakeets. So what would have happened if those wooden dolls come through the portals? What would they turn into? Those grandmothers. So him using symbolism could absolutely happen and do that. And the parakeets kind of look like Totoro with the chevrons. Love- I just love the fact that they keep putting Dave Bautista in these adorable things, like this mountain of a dude. That's like, because adorable. he is adorable. <laughs> yes, he is. He's now, very adorable. The, the one, the one problem I had with the animation in this movie, and we're talking about the parakeets, so I'll talk about it now, mm. is everything else in this, from that opening scene in the fire to uh, uh, the 
the scene of how the sailor changes the rigging on the ship to catch the wind and animating a full f- a sail unfurling and furling again. You know, all of this gorgeous animation. And then we get to the last 15 minutes of the movie where there's a fight with a giant parakeet army, and he goes, you know what? We're running out of time. Give them googly eyes. And it just, it just everything else in this movie was so perfect and beautiful except for the parakeet's eyes, which are for some reason on the top of their head, not on the side like they would be on a real parakeet, and they look like Cookie Monster googly eyes. Their eyes look like Totoro's eyes. When when the heron, when the heron has to hide, uh, is in disguise in the parakeet castle, and he's trying to look like a parakeet, he puts on a blue robber mask to look <laughs> like the nose of the parakeet, and then has two googly eyes on dealy boppers hanging off of his forehead, so he looks like a parakeet soldier. It's pretty great. I think if if you're gonna give us a cut corner with some animation, make a gag at it, right? Like poke fun of it. I think that's pretty cool. Also, it kind of gives the the it gives the 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 herring something to do now that he's no longer the like titular herring kind of thing, yeah. right? And it's cute. It's adorable. It's fun, right? Like he's and because it's cartoonish. Like Look, the Wada Wada can't be the only cute thing in this movie. <laughs> Right. Like it's Daffy Duck or Bugs Bunny sneaking in somewhere. And Roger Rabbit. You know what I'm saying? Like at the, at this point, maybe, maybe Mihito's uh, grip on the, on the world was getting less tenuous and maybe like the fantasy worlds were starting to become less and less real as he started to make his way back. Maybe that's what I'm supposed to get from all this. I don't know. It just, it, that's the one thing that sort of threw me was the crazy googly eyes. On the parakeets. But we do get redemption when they finally go through the final portal. As the story's ending and closing, all of the parakeet soldiers are turning back into regular parakeets and all the budgies are flying away. But then that giant double-sized monster of a Dave Batista red and, uh, red and white parakeet is sitting on grandma's shoulder as a giant, like, double-wide parakeet the size of, like, a parrot. I love it. <laughs> It's the size of a macaw, but it's just this, the fattest budgie on earth. I'm like, oh, I want that one. <laughs> so there were a lot. There were a lot of swarms in this movie, both in the real world and in. The, but they were still all kind of connected to the other world. But like fish, frogs, pelicans, old ladies, parakeets, new souls, lots and lots of swarms of things. And at least for myself. Like that is that it felt a lot like um that that feeling that you get when you are overwhelmed and that Mahito is just so overwhelmed. And it's such a good visualization of this to me, at least that that, you know, of that feeling that I think it brought me in to the feelings that Mahito was going through. Um, as he's dealing with this pain and process and trying to move to a next stage of life, I just, I don't know. I, I'm like as cute as the parakeets are. It's, it's just one of the many swarms that I was just dealing with as we were watching this. I was curious if anyone else noticed that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's also like, you know, he's, he's got a head wound. These, these, these moments of levity and these moments of like opening doors and these swarms. Cause a lot of the times these swarms come around like, him getting to a new place or like seeing something like uh, the one swarm is like when they were seeing those cute little things float away and get eaten so terribly. Um, 
and we also see the parakeets and the frogs and all that stuff. And so, like, I think a lot of that is like relieving the pressure on his head. Like, it's like again, this is he he clonked himself in the dome piece, and I'm really surprised that this movie just straight up shows him like bleeding out like this in such a very like 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 we you know we check. You mentioned this before, like talking about sumo, like this last basho, there's a lot of bleeding noses, a lot of like, a lot of bloody stuff. And it felt like that. It felt like he was doing that. And I kind of was like, "Mm, I didn't really like that. I didn't need, I didn't need that in my Ghibli film. Like how much blood was there when he hit himself in the head with that rock? That was a lot of blood. I know head wounds bleed, but that was a lot of blood. I I am, I am prone to bleeding from a head wound. This is, this is one of the things in my family that, that it is known that if I'm hit in the head, I'm, uh, I'm gonna, but this was, uh, this was like arterial. Like this was arterial bleeding. This was, this was bad. Yeah. But you know, maybe he's doing that to be like, Hey guys, not all of this is real because I hit this kid in the head real hard. But when you're, when you're 12 and you hit yourself in the head with a rock and you start bleeding, you know, we have we have uh, kids in our martial arts program that they love to expand on reality. It's like we'll do a technique with them, we'll throw them to the ground, and then they go to their friends and go, "Sensei just broke my back." Yeah, it's like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Shut up. So I could just imagine th- this twelve-year-old, you know, getting hit in the head with a rug. Oh my god, I bled everywhere. It was coming out in gushes. I'm like. Okay, no, it probably wasn't, but this is your story, and I'm looking at it through your eyes, so fine. Yeah, I've seen a head wound like that that is big enough to leave a scar that the hair doesn't grow over. Uh, happened to my brother. He slid into, um, he was sliding into home, but he actually slid into a pole. Uh, and it bleeds, but not that much. <laughs> but I mean, we're talking like, like that one scene, there's, there's kill bill levels yeah, of blood going exactly, on. Here. Exactly, exactly. But he also just walks home that way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just da, 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 da. but I think that um the the um the 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 whole everything of this movie is from the lens of a child like you said like the the grannies are from the lens of a child the heron is the the the, the what's happening and who people are are from the lens of a child they are coming from weird memories this is all perspective you know n- not not exactly unreliable narrator, but like unreliable memory, if that makes sense. So yes, unreliable narrator is a big thing in this movie. And you just kind of have to go with it. You just have to let go and just go with it. Yeah. I, I, I want to see this again. Cause I also want to see like how things are addressed in the subtitles or in the, 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 in the, in the actual Japanese language. But I think she's more pronounced at the end of this when they're walking out of thing. I think her, her pregnancy is more pronounced. So mm-hmm. I, I think so. I think they're doing some more visual maturation. For I think they're they're trying to show him growing up and and being a little more not because he's silent through a lot of this movie. He doesn't say much through a lot of the beginning of this movie, um, which is a theme, Jim, that we've seen. Like how many? Yeah, but it's Christian Bale. We don't want to hear him talk anyways. <laughs> yeah, kidding. but like kidding. Uh, the John Woo thing we saw, like where was, like no one talks. Like there's a lot of no no dialogue in these now. I think it's becoming a trend to like be as minimal as possible. That was true, but it worked. So apparently, the voice actor in the Japanese is the same voice actor from as Hal from Hal's Moving Castle. So the fact that they kept Christian Bale is kind of cool. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I, I I I think he was going a lot gruffer than Hal here, and I think there was a purposeful intent there, and I don't know if that came from. 
direction or if it was a choice that Christian Bell make made, I'd be really curious uh, after um, our, our students go and see to see what they say about um, the voice work of of the dad there. It's a smart pick, though. Like if you if you've used this pet tandem to represent each other before. I mean, it's smart to do it again, right? Like, he obviously would understand how they work, like, how they talk and affect. So I think it's a smart thing. It's, again, attention to detail. So, yeah, I mean, Miyazaki's taking a very large swing here for his career, I guess. Maybe this is more of his magnum opus than The Wind Rises. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. You're, make, you're making me choose, don't make um, <laughs> um, So I want to talk about the music for a second in this movie, or specifically the lack thereof. So, so the soundtrack was done by by Joe Hisaishi, who also did uh, The Wind Rises and also did Spirited Away. How old um, is he? Huh? How old is Joe at this point? Uh, he's eighty three. Putting in work for years. Yeah, or uh, seventy three. Sorry, seventy three. Just turned just turned seventy three. But he's also been a. I, I know this is one of Jason's uh, favorites, and he's also been a longtime collaborator with Beat Takeshi. And has done a, a whole bunch of movies with him. Like this guy is the guy that you go to when you want to make a movie and you want a, a killer soundtrack in Japan. Great, Spirited Away, awesome music. Wind Rises, awesome music. This, what music? The entire first half of this movie is silent, and then the second half, when we're in the spirit world, we get dong one note, dong one note, dong 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 one note three times. Um, so it. it I understand. It's a stylistic choice that Miyazaki made. He's the billionaire genius. I'm not. I'm too stupid. I don't get it, but I don't like it. I understand wanting to be silent when you're in those gravitas moments because it sort of adds sort of severity to the scene of watching the hospital with your mother in it burn down. So let's all watch in silence and horror. I mean, just imagine if you had like Danny Elfman putting in a dum 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 during that would be awful. So. I get it. And then when we go into the spirit world, we start getting these sort of fantasy themes. But unlike a lot of these other movies, I didn't leave the theater humming the theme song. I couldn't even tell you what the theme song to this movie is. There's nothing catchy. There was nothing fun. There's nothing that sort of caught my uh, caught my attention in the music. And I think that's a big letdown for me is that even especially with somebody like Joe Hisaishi on the soundtrack, they could have uh, they could have had something even bigger and greater. Uh, but it's the stylistic choice that Miyazaki made, and we got to live with it. I mean, you're talking about the guy who did Ashitaka's theme from Princess Mononoke, one of the most iconic ones ever. Like, I love yeah. it. It, it. This soundtrack's not going to be in my rotation, that's for sure. It's not going to yeah. get, get top spins. No, I, I don't I, remember I, any of the music. No. I, this is definitely not like, like I just remember that one single note. Ding. Is, it, is, is this Christopher Nolan phase? So, uh, Nutty, how did how did you put it yesterday as we left the theater? It's like this is certainly not one of those like Ghibli mixes. That yeah, I'm, gonna I'm not put- going to look up the B- Boy in the Heron piano Ghibli mix to put me to sleep at night or to play while I'm creating art or working. I mean, it'll put you to sleep, I think. But no, it is going to fuel my nightmares. I'm going to be overtaken by fish and frogs and herons and pelicans, and yeah, I'm and good. I'm good. And bird poop, poop everywhere. Poop everywhere. But you do get boat mommy, so it's fine. I mean, oh, boat mommy, no, boat mommy. <laughs> That's your new name from now on, boat mommy. You got it. Yeah, like, oh man, I love her. They animated the sails and the roping. Okay, but like, not only is she like 
it's the attitude and the the um everything about her. She's a sailor, okay? You don't understand. Like every time I've ever dated somebody, I had to introduce them to Sally. Like having somebody come already a sailor and she could teach me a few thing or two. I ah. am in. I am in like you have no idea. Oh yeah. And then she's gonna cook me soup. Yes, please, boat mommy. Um I am in. Oh, plus we get to live with the Wada Wada. I mean, they're so cute. They're so cute. This is giving me some Sea Prince and the Fire Child um <laughs> vibes. And that is a movie I horrified Jen with previously. It's the one where the uh the the, the water dude wants to fall in love with the I know what it is. Although Elementals, hey, Elemental Ele- is a play off of that. Yeah, they won't say that though. Just like they won't say Lion King is Kimba the White Lion. They or wow. how what Whedon, what's his name, um, copied all that stuff for like Firefly and whatnot from Cowboy Bebop. Oh, gosh. Anyway, anyway, um, but yeah, I I really think that this is one of those movies that I'm going to be thinking about for a while, um, and I'm going to. Probably like when I talk about this in reference on other Ghibli casts, I might have a couple other opinions, you know, because I know I, this is this is going to stick with me. This you is so, since this is still fresh in our minds, mm-hmm. I still want to get everybody's review. The next time we do a Studio Ghibli, we need to come back to this one and see if the review is still the same. OK. Our, our ratings are still the same. Yeah. OK. Give it some time. You said? Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I'm still trying. I'm still trying to figure out where I'm putting this. I don't. That's the whole point. I've been. I have been surprised by my rating a couple times on this. Like I've been. I'm, like when y'all, when Nutty, you have said what I rated something. Mm-hmm. I've been surprised at what I've given it. Like even whether it was high or low. I'm, I think by the end of this, when we've watched everything, it will be um really interesting to uh. A kind of see, like, reflect on our ratings and see if we rank them differently or to put them in order or something. That could be a lot of fun and very geeky. Yeah, and which ones we'd actually want to go watch again? Oh, yeah. Well, I've, I'll tell you, I've probably watched, uh, Ponyo and Totoro more often than any, I, I go back to those all the time. All the time. Yeah, I used to go back to Mononoke a lot, but now recently I haven't. You realized how garbage it is? I mean. Ah! Again, I, I thought it was the most Sorry violent you. until this movie. Like I thought it was the most violent until this movie, but because again, they don't set someone on fire with them. I that's a terrible way to go. But anyway, no m- modern modern. Okay, like Nausicaa had a full on war in it. Um, a Porco Rosso had dog fights. Um, they killed a princess in the beginning of that movie. But you know this little mountain. But like this, there's there's the fire in the beginning, and then everything else is I don't know. Like the, the most violent thing you see after that is when they catch the fish and have to gut it. Ooh, hey Jen, we should do another one of these when they see Godzilla minus 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 one. That that is, we do want to we do want to see we this. Do we see do want to see this. We're gonna see if we can do this over the break. Um, very excited. I'd be interested to see if uh your dad. Has your dad been into Godzilla movies? Can oh, we drag him out? I don't out? want to bring my dad to a theater. <laughs> He'll just fall asleep. That's true. He will fall asleep. He, he falls asleep during everything. Okay. All right. Ratings. So, ratings. Shall I start us off? Start yeah. us off. Be okay. the surly one you so, are. Let's explain our rating scale again. Remember, five is average. Five is a good score. If we do our job correctly, 
If you average out the scores at the end of all of this with the good and the Here bad. Here we go. Shall, shall I do the order? Go it, ahead. A 10 is sublime. Nine is penultimate, meaning it is, it is almost the best thing ever. Uh, eight is dazzling. Seven is exceptional. Six is solid. Five is average. Four is mediocre. Three is boring. Two is tedious. One is dreadful. And zero is horrifying, which yeah. I don't think we've reached at this point. No. How many so, tens? How many tens across the board have we given? Uh, I don't think we've ever given a movie tens. Yes, we have. Oh yeah. Uh, maybe neighbor Totoro tens across the board. Okay. Um, and Zen, Grogu, and the Dust Bunnies tens across the board. Yes, we've I, come I, close. We have uh quite a few that are ninety five uh across the board. Uh, so nine point five across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and a nine point six across the board. So those are our other twos, and that would be the Wind Rises and Spirited Away. Facts. Which is like insane that Ponyo is not there. Thanks, Jen. I start with a perfect score and I I whittle away down for problems that I have. Thanks, Jen. So, uh, so we're going to, we're going to lose a point right off the stop for the ending. Okay. So it doesn't, it doesn't end. It stops. And this is a, a weak point of his storytelling that I'm, I understand is a stylistic choice that he makes that I don't get. This is my personal problem, but it's also my ranking. Yeah. So it's going to lose a point for that. It's going to lose a point for the music because with a name like Joe Hisaishi, I was expecting more and got a lot less. Now, minimalism is a choice, but it's not one that I get or understand. So it loses a point for that. It loses a point for animation. For uh, the parakeet soldier googly eyes, because that sort of threw me out of the of the world, because it was just so jarring to have these big stupid googly eyes on the parakeet soldiers. But I'm going to give it a point back. This movie gets a point back for world building, because I haven't seen a Ghibli world that I want to be in more since Nino Kuni. Because remember, they did that video game too, and this feels a lot like Nino Kuni with that parallel world that you bounce back and forth and you have like um uh oh uh, the the heron is basically drippy he doesn't have he doesn't have a lantern growing from the hole in his nose oh, but he has you, a person he has a right? person growing from his nose yes yeah. <laughs> he's got a person coming out of his nose and a cork for the hole in his bill um so i just uh the world that they have created is amazing and so much fun. And if you want to do a Nino Kuni style video game or an MMO or a TV show or anything based in this world and have us go through that long hallway of doors, I, this is basically Kingdom Hearts. Uh, you could have so much fun with the world that they've created here in telling other stories. Uh, and I would watch all of it because I really enjoyed that. So it's going to lose three points and gain one back. This is an eight out of ten for me. Ooh. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten parakeet swarms. Which is really funny because you knocked it off for parakeets. <laughs> for the googly eyes. For the stupid yeah, I, googly eyes. I was gonna say. I thought I was gonna say. Is he gonna give it an eight out of ten googly eyes? There you go. Uh, all right. Uh, who's next? Um, I will. So, compared to other Ghibli movies, because I have seen more than you know others. This was good. I have to agree with Tech about the ending. I have to agree with the music score because I didn't even think about it that there was nothing in that movie that stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't tell you anything that was in there. Um, the parakeets were creepy. <laughs> didn't like that at all. 
when um the dude started crawling out the heron's mouth the first time. Like, I couldn't figure out if it was deforming or what was going on, but that was just creepy in the end. That was super creepy. It was, it was just gross. And it um, looks like Hoggle in there from Labyrinth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The big warty nose. And- yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved the little grandmas. Uh, I loved that he kept giving tobacco to the, um, older guy and that grandma kept getting mad. I love that. She's like, I'll give you information for tobacco. No, I'm good. Um, it was all in all, it was fun, but it was definitely not one that I could watch back to back. Like I couldn't watch it like twice in a row. Mm. So I am going to have to give this one a six out of 10. Um, and I'm going to give it six out of 10 homemade bow and arrows. A solid review. Oh, and, and, and a very fair one. Uh, Jason? I'll probably have to give this a 7 out of 10 over-jellied slices of delightfully animated bread. Because um, this movie felt a little long. And then there was a couple there was a couple parts that it kind of dragged. But it was 2 hours and 4 minutes, so that is pretty long for an animated movie. And, and I felt bad because I sat all through Killers of the Flower Moon. I sat through that whole movie. I thanked that. Like, and, and I said, I didn't really feel the drag with that movie. Me and Jim disagree on that. And so to feel, notice it here, like, I was just like, ah. And also, like, you're right, Tech. I like this world. I want to be in this world more. I want to see more of it. And I think they took a little too long to get to it. So it's, it's down for me. Maybe it'll change when I go and see it again at home and I get to look at it and stare at it for a while. But right now it's not, it's not, in, I don't think it's in my top 10. Um, I am going to give this eight out of 10 boat mommies. Um, and maybe <laughs> this will change when I'm, when it's less fresh. I'm still, kind of blown away at the um, artistic merit at the um, at the sim- symbolism at <coughs> excuse me the message that we are are getting here um, I agree the ending not so great uh, I disagree about the parakeets because I really think that this there's a lot of symbolism that I'm still not quite understanding but having to do with apparently the studios in trouble and um, everybody thinks of Totoro but they haven't had any recent success and that Basically, Ghibli is going to topple and it recently got bought out and there's all these other things going on. So I'm sure there's more that I just don't get because I don't know enough about the studio. But um, this is a movie that I'm conti- I know I'm going to continue to think about and it's going to stick with me. And that's why I'm giving it a little bit higher of a rating than I was thinking like a 7.5. But I'm thinking, no, an eight, an eight out of 10 boat mommies. For how I feel now. And, and like Jen said, we got to come back. We got to revisit this. We got to think, all right, what is going to be the difference? I'm really curious how much better would it have been if we could have seen it on IMAX because we do not have an IMAX near us. So that might have been. I was that interested. Yeah, we didn't even look. I, I think I saw, we saw what Napoleon in IMAX. Yeah. Yeah, we saw Napoleon IMAX. Was it no, worth that- it in IMAX? It was enjoyable. Honestly, I really I enjoyed it. Hey, like, did you need the giant screen for Napoleon? It was interesting though, because it was like wrapped around, like so it was like a yeah, cool... Omnimax. Yeah. Yeah, like you yeah. could look around at the like battlefield. This I, was pretty cool to do that, and especially in the like sea scenes where the, mm-hmm. the ships are. I, I, think... I definitely couldn't go to this one in three D because all those parakeets and stuff flying at oh, you. Oh gosh, no. No. They've done that. 
the one the one thing with this though is that what I love about IMAX movies is because they've got that you know the THX surround and all the, mm-hmm. the crazy sound. There's so little music in this. <laughs> I think it'd be like wasting half your ticket. <laughs> it's fair. That's fair. I, I will say that some of the screens where they were panning, my eyes start, started um, losing focus. Be- and I don't, I don't know if being on IMAX would make that better or worse. Yeah, but I, I we, yeah, we didn't even look for this. But I, again, I don't, I like, as my rating is low, but like, I, I, I don't know, man. This feels like the most art house Ghibli's ever gotten. Like, this has yeah. felt. This has felt the the most him not experimenting because I don't think Ghibli does that. But but yeah, no, not a game. No, it's um, I'm okay. And you just killed your camera. Oh, jeez. Okay, now we're good. Okay. No, um, something happened to the audio in my cans. I think the connector's loose, so yeah. I, I I started losing audio there. Nutty edit. <laughs> this is going. <laughs> I got some edits to do. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, I think it'll be really interesting to, to think about and to reflect back on. Um, but this is what we thought of the boy and the heron and which, by the way, we keep talking about it and so calling it the boy and the heron, but in the Japanese title, it's how you live, which is based on the title of a book, a book that's in the movie, but it is not the movie version of that book. It's not based on that book. It just I happens. I kind of like the boy and the herring better. I do like the boy. Although it did make me think that the harem was going to be like a protagonist, not an antagonist on the side there. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's given, you know, I could see John Linguizamo voice in this thing too. He feels yeah. that. Feels we didn't that. even talk about how Himi is, is Tech's, you know, dream girl from when he was a kid. And it's basically Sailor Mars. Yeah, she does absolutely shoot fire. Yep. And she looks like Sailor Mars. Yep. Black black hair, red dress, kind of grumpy attitude, goes around making fireworks and fireballs everywhere. Absolutely bad. You know, super, super cool. But turns out it's your mom. Ha-ha, you know? <laughs> you, can't, you can't have a crush on her. It's your mom. Um, all the girls in this, in this movie are your mom. Or your, or grandmother's taking care of you. Yes. Um, <laughs> But our next Ghibli movie, and I know we said this last time, but uh, for real, for real, our next Ghibli movie is um, the tale of Princess Kaguya, and uh, we'll 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 come back and uh, talk about death some more. I'm sure. You know what? We will. I think we'll talk about it a lot. Uh, this is this is Takahata's last outing. So. Oh, so we did we did uh, Miyazaki's last outing, and then we're gonna do Takahata's last outing. Don't let Miyazaki hear you say it's his last outing. He might make another movie to spite you. I mean, if it's good, I'm happy with this. But dude's 82. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Also, don't don't let him beat up on Goro anymore. Because man, like <laughs> every time they do a bad movie, Goro's attached to it, and Miyazaki comes out of retirement. That's not a cycle I would. So want. what you're saying is, don't let Goro make more bad movies. No. Or or is he or is he just the studio whipping boy? You know, uh, uh, Miyazaki goes, he makes a movie, it's a stinker. They're like, oh man, we got to release. It. What are we gonna do? No, it's Goro's fault. Make it put Goro's name on it. Put Goro's name on it. He just, I'm gonna just tell you. I'm pretty sure Goro's attached to the 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 earwig one, the witch one. The, the Goro yeah, does this. Like he's just the name that they put all the bad movies in. Miyazaki doesn't have a son. It's just it's a, just a made up person. Uh. 
I tech. I almost asked y'all to rearrange this to have us do that movie next because I honestly think you're gonna explode. I think you're gonna. I think- <laughs> that that we'll save that for a time that it's a good idea to rage bait us, but not right now. Oh gonna- man, it might be the first time you put a you put an explicit warning on a Ghibli film. Like real talk. Like the it's that talk. bad. The ending will make tech. I think the ending might make tech spit. Like he just might. Like he just he's gonna be disgusted. He's gonna be absolutely disgusted. That's funny. Well, at least we got the boy and the heron to, to because of it. So yay! Although actually, this was started before that, so I don't even know. But you'll um, love. You'll, I think you'll love comedy. I think all of y'all. Will love I'm I'm looking forward to it. I watched the Sesame Street episode just to prepare myself, um, but we haven't watched the movie yet. <laughs> Because Lil Techie was terrified horrified. of the Sesame Street episode about Princess Kaguya, but um, that's I, a Big Bird centric one, right? Yes, Big Bird goes to Japan. It was a it was a a joint collaboration production between um uh, the Children's Television Workshop and the NHK. Yeah, and they brought Big Bird to Japan. It's really good. It has one of my favorite, favorite lines. Ready, right? Ohio, Nebraska. Um, so like, all the Japanese people are wishing uh, are wishing Big Bird a good morning. So they're all Ohio gozaimasu. He goes, why are they all saying Ohio? I'm from New York. So then this guy comes up and he goes, Ohio. He goes, Nebraska. <laughs> and I love that joke. I say it to my Japanese students all the time. They hate me. <laughs> Big Bird having Big Bird having not cultural shock but cultural fun is excellent. Like he's just like let's do this thing because he's Big Bird. So I'm prepped. I'm good to go. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Um, let us know if you've seen The Boy and the Heron, if you have any thoughts, or if you're one of those people that said, I'm not going to the movie, but I just want to listen to them talk about it. We'd be interested to hear your thoughts as well. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you the next time when we talk about The Tale of Princess Kaguya. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. We want to give a very special thank you to our patrons. Um, and there's going to be more information about that coming up. The patrons, listen in. I'm going to have another episode for you coming up. But um, thank you so much to our top tier Big Daddy patrons. Thank you to Jax, our top biggest daddy. Thank you to Jason and Rich the TT. Thank you to our patrons of the arts, Mark Cabot. Uh, sorry, I'm pausing there. Uh, the Encaffeinated One different mark um melissa the bathtub mermaid and susanna and thank you to all of our other patrons who keep everything going the the first time patron uh, or rather our first patron shane thank you to selgenor andy cliff grig harold hugh ian justine ken kinsey mike pcat radical geek Will and Zach Mann. Thanks so much, everyone. Bye. Now, 
Nutty Bites is produced by Nimlas Studios under a Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial Non-Derivatives 3.0 International License. That means you can't change it without my permission. You can share it and send it to your friends. Just link back to me, my site, and everything. We live at nimlas.org, which has links to everything social media, including facebook.com slash group slash Nutty Bites and patreon.com slash nukejoss or call 347 Nutty 42. 